Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Chili burr, 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 chili burr out there. Oh, hello, good morning, welcome to Tuesday. The Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. And like the fancy voice guy just said, uh, around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com where you'll find links to our Audio-only live stream and the podcasts and the social media feeds for Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and so much more. All right, so go on out there and fly, be free, be off with you, be off with you. We will be uh, talking about all that stuff here as we go on. Good morning. How you doing? You ready? You ready? Well, um, <clears throat> yikes, man. 18 degrees outside the old radio ranch here uh, in uh, in beautiful downtown Wasilla and uh, going to be cold across the state here for just a little bit. I, I found it ironic that on uh, last Thursday I left Wasilla and it was actually warmer in Fairbanks when I got to Fairbanks <clears throat> than, when I, than when I left Wasilla. And when I left Fairbanks on Sunday, it was warmer in Fairbanks than when I got to Wasilla. I don't know what to – there better not be some kind of reversal going on. I'm just saying I've, I'm not down. I'm not down with the 40 below temperatures. I'm, I'm just – if there's some kind of swap going on, I'm not down. I'm just not into it, okay? Make a note. Make a note. Welcome to the program today. It is Tuesday. Which you know, if you're a listener to the show, means that it is the Tuesday Top 3. The Weekly Top 3 with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's going to be joining us here in just a little bit. And we're going to be diving down into it and talking about uh, all the big the big things, the things, and the stuff and the things. Including, <clears throat> excuse me, including... The new bipartisan coalition campaigns that they're talking about, the tickets that are bipartisan. And I mean, it, and for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, well, there's uh, there's something that's trending here. There's something that's trending. Uh, let me uh, let me show you what's trending. Uh, recently, there is uh, there has been a, a whole lot of. Uh, a whole lot of stuff going on from various candidates, and the latest one is uh, this meet and greet uh, that is going on tonight out in Girdwood. Uh, now, normally, a meet and greet, no big deal, right? Except for this one features two candidates that are <clears throat> supposedly on different teams. It's a Girdwood meet and greet with Matt Clayman, 
who's running against Mia Costello, uh, uh, Matt Clayman, a Democrat, and Kathy Geisel, who's running for re-election against Roger Holland. And they've teamed up. They're doing a, a team up on working together for a better, more prosperous Alaska. That is the tag at the beginning, at the bottom of their uh, little card here. But no, this is part of that whole movement for a bipartisan coalition ticket. We all need to work together to screw the people of the, I mean, to uh, take care of the people of the state of Alaska. So <clears throat> Brad's going to have some things to say about this. I think you already know what I think of, of this kind of stuff. Uh, Kathy Geisel, of course, has already been soundly defeated by uh, uh, Roger Holland once. The question is, can it happen again now with ranked choice voting? I think that's going to be the big question. And I think you can see here that Kathy Geisel is doing exactly the same thing that Lisa Murkowski is doing with her endorsement of Mary Peltola. Uh, she is reaching into the middle and the Democratic ranks trying to ga garner some votes in that regard. Um, I mean, <clears throat> if I was a member of her district, I would be thinking uh, in the Republican Party, I would be thinking seriously uh, about some censure action on this deal right here. Um, you know, we're, we're all supposed to be ranking the red, right, Kathy? Right, Kathy? R right? Uh, instead... No, no, no. That's that's not what we're doing. Instead, we are, of course, playing with the quote unquote, I guess, enemy. We're playing with the opposition and uh, and we're on their team. Uh, so this is, I'm sure, something that Brad's going to be dealing with and diving into in his discussion of uh, in his discussion of the bipartisan coalition tickets that we're seeing around the state. We're also going to talk about the BSA and how it's all about the BSA. It's all about that BSA, um, <clears throat> the base student allocation. And uh, his third topic today is going to be uh, how much he really does not like and believes is factually wrong, the phrase, don't tax me to pay for a PFD. If I heard that once, I've heard it a million times. <clears throat> and if I've said it once, I've said it a billion times. Don't exaggerate. But no, seriously, don't tax me to pay for the PFD. And uh, so those are going to be the three topics that Brad tackles this morning uh, on the weekly top three. Then normally in hour two, we get a chance to talk to Chris Story. Um, Chris Story uh, from Homer. But uh, he's a slacker. He's out doing his thing. I don't know what he anyway. He's not going to be around, which was fine because then that opened up the whole hour. <clears throat> and this morning, we're going to get a chance to talk with uh, Charlie Pierce, candidate for uh, governor. And uh, of course, this is right after the October surprise of this lawsuit coming out uh, against him. I don't know how much he's going to be able to speak about the lawsuit. Uh, but maybe in some general terms, I, I, I want, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what Charlie has to say this morning in it and we'll see what, uh, goes on there. All right. I wanted to sling some headlines around here and talk about just a couple of things. I mean, that, that, that candidate card right there for that meet and greet tonight was first on the list. I mean, that just, uh, my head hurts just thinking about it. Right. The other thing is an interesting story <clears throat> that um, 
um, that uh, is in the uh, uh, that I'm sorry that David Boyle has written uh, over at Mustard, Alaska, talking about the Anchorage School District and how they're manipulating data on school capacity and they're shrinking the student population. Um, this is a pet peeve of mine and has been a pet peeve of mine. So I want to get to that here in just a second. Uh, this has been a pet peeve of mine since before I was on the borough assembly in Fairbanks. But first and foremost, some good news. Uh, we didn't get to this yesterday, but it came out on Sunday. The governor had been very, very quiet since the CDC had come out and said that they were going to encourage uh, they presented a new vaccine advisory committee and they voted unanimously to recommend that the COVID vaccine would be re- part of the regular required shots for children attending school. Reason number 612 why you should probably homeschool your kids. But, um, you know, that was not a requirement. I mean, it was a requirement or it was on their regular requirement schedule. But even if the CDC director signs off on the order, the matter is still left up to the states. Well, up until Sunday, the governor had been um, quiet on it. And then uh, all of a sudden uh, he came out and said there are not nor will there be COVID vaccine mandates for the following reasons. One, he said, CDC cannot mandate them. Two, the HSS would have to change their regs. They will not do that. They know my position. Statute would have to be passed by the legislature as well. Won't happen. I would have to sign it. Won't happen. So the governor is not going to require a COVID vaccine mandate for school-aged children, which, yes, why would you put a vaccine into a child for a disease that is predominantly targeted uh, with deleterious effects? on the age of the elderly and uh, folks with uh, serious medical conditions. They're the ones that are really at risk um, from this. Why would you do that? And so this was a big, uh, this was a big plus, I think. And it was good that the governor, I just think he, he, he taking his damn time doing it. I mean, come on, man. It's this, this, just get with it. No need to, uh, to wait around and make people wonder. I had people talking to me about this on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this last week before he came out and finally made his statement. So, um, I mean, go, go, go gadget, get, get going on it. Um, what was the other thing I wanted? Oh, the Alaska Republican party, uh, has finally, there was enough groundswell of, of, of opposition to the Senate leadership fund of Mitch McConnell's little baby, uh, of stuff, um, uh, of stuff there. He, um, he, uh, finally, I think, stepped over the line far enough that uh, people were uh, were bent out of shape about it. Something like 13 or 14 different districts and organizations, uh, you know, uh, Republican women's groups and everything had gone ahead and they had censured, um, they had censured uh, Mitch McConnell and, and the Senate Leadership Fund. Uh, and finally, somebody called for the state party to step in. Uh, one of the districts finally called for the uh, for the state party to step in and said, uh, hey, uh, let's do it. It was District 26 requested the entire party take a vote. So on Friday night, um, Chairwoman Ann Brown sent out a vote, uh, sent out a note to voting members and balloting began and then ended on Sunday evening. And it was a vote of 48 to 49 to 8 
for a resolution to censure Mitch McConnell and his Senate Leadership Fund for a, for attacking uh, Kelly Chewbacca on behalf of McConnell's favorite candidate, Elisa Murkowski. Now, interestingly enough, when it was all said and done, and this was a pretty strident uh, thing, the vote was posted, uh, going to be posted on the Alaska Republican Party's Facebook page, but Chairwoman Ann Brown made no mention about sending it to the National Republican P- Committee, McConnell, or the Senate Leadership Fund, or the Kentucky Republican Party, or anything. So is this just more noise in a vacuum, or is this going to actually go out and get sent to somebody where it matters? I mean, this should be national news. I know it was mentioned on a couple news outlets uh, here last week, but this should be national news that Mitch McConnell is using Republican donor money to attack a endorsed Republican candidate and support a censured candidate that's been asked to leave the party. I mean, I just—I would say that that would be national news, wouldn't you? I—I would say so. Dang it. I'm not going to get to my story on the school size, but we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about I don't know when, but we're going to talk about it soon here. All right. Um, I guess we'll take the break. We'll take the break and we'll continue. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Brad Keithley is going to be joining us. The Weekly Top 3 is about to kick off. We will see what you have to say uh, in the chat room. That's where we're going to be doing the talking today. I don't know as we'll have time for phone calls, but we'll see. We'll be back with more in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Liberty-based, free-thinking, common sense-based radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay. Um, hi. How are you guys? Are you you ready? You ready? Um, Kevin McCabe said, uh, when I was talking about Geisel reaching into the middle, he goes, she's further left than, uh, Trying to get further left than uh, Matt Kleeman. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Kathy Geisel is a turncoat. She's the Pelosi of Alaska, says David. Good article, by the way, David. I've been I've been complaining about the same thing. Um, David's in the chat room this morning. I was wanted to talk about his article in Must Read. Um, I've been complaining about the same thing happening back in Fairbanks schools, and I noticed this probably 15, 18 years ago. And I'm like, wait, we built this school with a capacity of this much. This is how many students they said. And now they're saying it can only handle this many students? I mean, and now it's it's messing with our enroll. I mean, capacities and enrollments. And is this just another way to try and get another school? Oh, it is. Never mind. I should have known. Should have known how that works. Should have known how that works. All right. Well, Brad's been sitting in the wings long enough. He's, I was just think he. I think he may have been asleep at one point. He may have been asleep and going. Hey, what's happening, my friend? What? Uh, what? What are you? What are you doing? What's? Uh, what's your? What's going on in your world? Well, Michael, I'm back uh, visiting my mother. I've uh, <clears throat> returned from Canada. Uh, and it's not 14 here today. It's chilly, but it's not 14 here today. 
Well, so. that's that's a plus. It's uh, it's definitely a plus. Uh, I'll I'll be I'll be back up in the fourteen degrees soon enough, though. I mean, my dog, uh, my my dog opened the door this morning. My wife's dog uh, opened the door, and the dog looked at me like, "Are you sure?" Because there's <laughs> there's white stuff all over the grass out there. Are you sure that's what you really want me to do? Uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's all it's all good. Um, well, Brad, you ready to dive down into this nastiness of uh, bipartisan coalition tickets and uh, everything else? I mean, yeah, that, that's a good lead-in, Michael. I hadn't seen that particular mailer, but that's a that's a great lead. I mean, to, wasn't that uh, shocking? Discussion. I mean, wasn't that like really? I mean, you guys are going to do this. You're going to do this team up and uh, and uh, what, what? I mean, I guess you know we we just, we should just jettison. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but we should just jettison political party labels and say, look, here's the team government, and here's the team private sector. There's you go. That's all you need right there. That's no longer forget about the parties. Didn't that, didn't that used to be the Democrats and the Republicans? Isn't that how that used to line up? <laughs> You've forgotten so much, Brad. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Don't worry about that. All right. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's insane uh, what's going on right now. And this whole thing with Kelly Shabaka and uh, Mitch McConnell and, oh, man, it's, it's – I, I just don't even know. Why do the labels even matter anymore? Why do the teams even matter? Uh, because, you know – it's it's the party of more power versus the party of less power or more power to the people versus more power to the government. That seems to be the 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 split there. Um, all right, <clears throat> uh, Brad, I'm going to drop you back down into the uh, green room and we're going to be right back to him here in just a second. Um, to, Brian says, oh, this is perfect to start the show this morning for this. To paraphrase George Carlin, bipartisan usually means that a larger than average screwing is coming your way. <laughs> He's not. He is not actually wrong. He is not actually wrong. I think that that is the big potential. The big potential. Um. All right. Um. I see that somebody... Uh, somebody said Ann Brown is also a Lisa Murkowski supporter. I didn't know that, but I mean, if you're the leader of the party and the party has censured somebody or asked them to leave, that would you would be beholden to execute the will of the party. I mean, right? That's part of your deal when you accept a position like that. Whether you personally agree with it or not, if everybody said no, then you shouldn't be thinking about it. Who knows? I don't even care anymore. I just don't even care. I'm just throwing my hands up in the air and just like, I've been warning the Republican Party for years. You guys better get your stuff together because otherwise you're going to, well, you're going to get right where we're at right now. That's exactly it. I predicted it and I told you so. See, I hardly ever say that, but I told you so. All right, let's get with it with Brad before I lose my mind here. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Let's do it. Okay, fine. I'll get back to the radio. What else do you want? Okay, hey, good morning. Welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show. I'm full of a little PNV this morning, and I'm uh, I'm a little bit bitter. I'm a little bitter and upset about some of the things that are going on, mainly because I feel like I told you so. I've been warning about a lot of the things that are happening today for the last 20 years. 
But who's listening? Nobody. Apparently, I was just in a small box all by myself speaking into the ether and nothing was happening. Uh, but we're getting, uh, you know, we're reaping what we've sowed over the last, uh, you know, 20 years or so. Um, but uh, enough of that. Let's get into it with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad is back among the land of uh, freedom and uh, what all the other stuff. I don't know. He's back in America. Uh, he's done, <laughs> done with his music festival, visiting his mom down there in Illinois, getting ready to come back to the real cold spot in the world here. Uh, but Brad joins us this morning to talk about the weekly top three. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Michael. How are you today? I'm <laughs> well. I can tell how you are today. I'm just fine. I'm fine. Fine. Just fine. Um, <laughs> Brad, so you you really picked some good ones today. There's some there's some good things out there, and of course this uh, this bipartisan coalition ticket thing. And it's ironic that you sent me that, and then five minutes later, somebody else dropped me the picture of that uh, meet and greet uh, flyer that was going out, and I just started shaking my head, going, "Yep." There it is right there. Why do you, why do the labels even matter anymore, Brad? Why does it matter if we say we're a, a Democrat or a Republican? Or I think we should just take all those labels away and it should be we're more pro-government or we're more private sector, public citizen. I, I, I think that because otherwise it just doesn't matter anymore, right? Let's hit us with number one. Well, that's one of the splits, pro-government um, uh, as opposed to private sector. Uh, the other splits, the PFD. I mean, basically what's going on, and you can see this as you as you watch different people, you know, get ready for the for the final segment of their campaign. Basically, what's going on is we have people who are running for the on the bipartisan coalition ticket. I mean, they're saying that explicitly that they're running to be part of the bi coalition, bipartisan coalition. Vote for me. I'll be part of the bipartisan coalition. I'll get along with everybody. We'll go down to Juno. We'll have a great time. We'll pass all this stuff. We'll fund schools. We'll we'll restore case uh, university funding. We'll uh, do this and we'll do that. And and that it ha- has become a ticket. And it's become a ticket both on the left and and on the right. Geisel is a great example of that in uh, in the meet and greet that you were talking about during the break. Uh, with, um, uh, and since you were talking about it during the break, you may want to mention it again here, but Geisel is a great example of that by joining in a meet and greet with Matt Clayman. Uh, Geisel used to, you know, talk the Republican talk. She used to talk about uh, uh, lower government spending, reduced government spending. It wasn't just that, Brad. Remember, she had that ad where she had the wallet on the table, and this is your wallet. And Governor Walker stole money out of your wallet with a PFD. I mean, she was like an ardent PFD, full PFD supporter, and then all of a sudden, boom, it was all gone. And now she's, oh, I like that PFD. It's mine. <laughs> I like the PFD for government. Yeah, and and you know, and you can see where this is going. You can see the discussion at the meet and greet is going to be, we come from different sides, you know, but we're going to meet in the middle. We're going to fund schools because that's what we need. That's what this state needs. We're going to restore uh, uh, university funding because that what's the, that's what this state needs. We're going to find ways to government to expand the private sector because that's what, uh, that's what this state needs. Um, and to do that, Matt Clayman has already been explicit about, about this. And and Diesel, you know, by implication, is 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 there as well to do all this. The PFD is a lower priority, so we'll fund the the best PFD we can, but it's going to be the leftover PFD after we've done all this other great stuff that government needs to do for you. Uh, the decisions we make about how to use your money after government does all this stuff for you, then we'll we'll fund whatever is left over 
um, in a PFD. And so it's it's really they're coming together. The bipartisan coalition means two things. One's it, one, it means more government spending without a whole lot of oversight, frankly. I mean, if you got Matt Clayman on board, if you got Matt Clayman and, and Kathy Giesel on the same side, you're not going to have a whole lot of oversight. It's going to be increase the BSA. How much do you want to increase the BSA? Um, uh, deferred uh, uh, defined compensation plan. How much? How, how big a defined compensation plan do you want? How many people do you want to cover? You want to cover the troopers? You want to cover teachers? Anybody else? Um, it's, it's going to be it, it, how much do you want to increase funding to the university? It's going to be it's going to be increased funding, and it's going to come at the expense of the PFD. They view the PFD just like Kathy Giesel when she was in office last time. Um, viewed the savings accounts, the CBR and the SBR. That's ah, money. You know, we'll just we'll fund what we need to fund. We'll just draw down the SBR and the CBR. Well, the PFD to them has become the new savings accounts, become right. the new CBR and, F and SBR. And we know what happened to those savings accounts, right? Right. They're gone. No, this so, is this is the match made in hell. I mean, this really is the the perfect storm of the worst thing that you could possibly pull together in two separate groups. So it's. It's it's the the no tax Republican. Basically, the deal is this: Democrats, you, you you take the lead on spending. You spend whatever you want to spend it on, as long as you don't tax us, the top twenty percent, right? As long as you don't tax us, you can't. We'll we'll be in a in a coalition with you, in a bipartisan coalition with you, and you can spend uh, whatever it is you you think you need, as long as you don't tax us. As long as you don't tax us, you don't tax the oil companies. By the way, neither one of those. That's the that's the Kelly Merrick line. So it, it is, I mean, we can see this coming. A vote for the bipartisan coalition is very clear. It's a vote for increased spending and it's a vote for increased PFD cuts because they're going to use the PFD to, to fund all the increased spending. And 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 they don't even hide it much. Right. I mean, no, not anymore. It's out in the open. They're saying the quiet part out loud. I mean, this is it right here. So, you know, the, 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 the appeal is to the I don't know how do I how do I phrase this well. The guilt-ridden Democrats who feel that they ought to increase spending um, and and buy into the it's free money, so I don't I'm not entitled to a PFD. Those middle and lower income Alaska families, I, I don't know about them, but but I know I'm not entitled to this free money. And um, and so got we we need to increase building spending. It's for the children. It's for whoever. It's for the teachers. It's for the policemen. It's for uh, everybody else to increase defined benefit com uh, comp or defined benefit plans, and uh, as long as I don't have to pay for it, as long as we can take it out of the pockets of middle and, and lower income Alaska families, that's fine. So we we got a deal here. We we got a deal, and and that'll keep us in power, keep you in power, keep everybody happy um, in, on on our side of the line, on the top twenty percent side of the line, the government spending side of the line. Keep everybody happy, uh, and uh, and we'll go forward with that. I mean, what, what 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 really amazes me, Michael? I mean, this will tell you how bad a candidate Bill Walker is. Okay, if if this is if this is the the state of Alaska, if this sentiment is the state of Alaska, how the hell does Dunleavy win the governorship? Yeah. So so uh, it's got to be because Bill Walker is a horrible candidate. I mean, Bill Walker would be the one who would who would you know fall right in line with the Mary Peltola, the the Lisa Murkowski, and the and 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 that ilk, the Kathy Geisels and the Matt Clemens, right? Um, yeah, he must he must be a horrible candidate. If uh, if 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 Dunleavy, if this if this is the sentiment of Alaska, if this is what we see in the election, and Dunleavy still wins, um, 
Bill Walker's just a horrible candidate. Right. Well, which I think we can all agree on, quite honestly. But, you know, what we're looking at here, Brad, I think is is really if we wanted to boil this down to to one thing, it's a philosophy, right? We are boiling it down to candidates who truly believe in their heart of hearts that they know better than anybody else how the state's money should be spent. They don't trust the private sector. They don't trust the public, you know, the regular citizen, that they know exactly that their vision for where the state should go is is the one, right? I mean, that's really kind of what you're looking at with this. I mean, it, in my mind, as you look at this, especially with candidates who are coalitioning up and saying, mm, we, we, we've got a better plan than you do. And uh, I mean, yeah, go ahead. It's a combination of that, Michael. And also, as long as somebody else pays for it. I mean, Matt Clayman is the, is the classic limousine liberal, right? He, he is, I'm all for Alaska families. I'm all for the Alaska economy, the working man, the, the working Alaska families. I'm all, I'm, I'm going to protect them. I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect them, except <laughs> I'm going to take their money to do it. Right. As long, as long as I don't have to pay for it, as long as I, Matt Clayman, who has on his APOC report, three hundred fifty thousand to four hundred thousand dollars of income. As long as I don't have to pay for it, um, uh, then then yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna do all this. I, we're gonna talk in the second segment. I think the debate is entirely different if if we were talking about taxes having to having to pay for the spending. I think I think debate goes off in an entirely different direction. So it's a combination of I know better how to spend your money, not mine. I know better how to spend your money. Uh, than you do on these on these government programs, and I'll support it as long as I don't in the top. As long as I don't Kathy, have to pay Kathy for Kathy it. Kathy Giesel, the others. As long as I don't have to pay for it. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think we probably milk that one as much as we can, so we might as well move over to number two and talk about uh, and uh, talk about the second of the of the big two, and that, of course, is the continuing battle cry of the BSA. It's all about that base student allocation uh, because it's just not enough, Brad. We just haven't spent enough on it. That's the problem. This failing student scores and all this stuff, it's because we haven't spent, I mean, we spend more than almost any other state in the nation, but we still haven't spent enough. That's why we're on the bottom of the heap. Yeah. And, and Michael, it's, it's, I mean, if you look at, um, I mean, I read a range of papers. I read the, the Kenai Peninsula papers. I read the Anchorage papers, the Fairbanks papers, the Juno papers, the Ketchikan papers, the Nome papers. Um, it's fairly broad based, uh, the, the push for uh, increased BSA, the push for increased K through 12 spending. And we're going to see, I mean, we've talked about this on previous programs, but once that ball starts to roll down the hill, we're going to see defined benefit plans, you know, t- uh, 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 various uh, programs designed to increase, increase, as people argue, increase teacher uh, uh, retention and increase uh, teachers wanting to come to Alaska. We're going to see a, a lot of stuff added on once the BSA ball starts uh, starts rolling down the hill. I saw an article from Anchorage that talks about the need to increase the geographic or readdress the geographical differences because Anchorage thinks it's due more uh, due to the ge- geographical differences uh, in costs. Um, so we're going to we're going to see a lot of this going on, and and we're seeing it fairly broad broad based. Here's the question that that I think. I'm thinking about, and I think others would would benefit from thinking about as well. Would this debate be different 
if we were talking about fund, having to fund these sorts of increased spending through broad-based taxes and, and through, through taxes that everybody paid as opposed to PFD taxes, head taxes, that only middle and lower income Alaska families have to pay? And I think the answer to that is yes. I think the debate would be different. I don't think you would see Giesel partnering up with Matt Clayman, or I think you'd see her killed for it, uh, partnering up with Matt Clayman, uh, talking about the need to increase school funding and the need to, to do this and that, if she had to use the word taxes uh, uh, in, in talking about how she was going to pay for that. So what I think is going on, what I, what I think the K through, when you think about it that way, what I think is going on in the K through 12 debate, what we're seeing is the impact of the top 20% being able to push the cost down to middle and lower income Alaska families and, and middle and lower Alaska families who are working families, who've got other things to do, just sort of taking it on the chin um, and letting the top 20% get away with it. If we, I think this debate would be much, much, much different and much sharper if we, uh, if we were including, uh, if, if we were talking about, uh, if Kathy Giesel had to talk about, well, it's going to be taxes that, uh, that we're going to have to levy in order to, uh, to increase spending. Because absent the PFD cuts, absent the P that's exactly what we'd have to be talking about. Absent, right. absent taking money out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families, that's exactly what we would have to be talking about for, for these additional spending. Right. Programs. If the PFD debate was off the table, they would have to face the facts that we're spending more than we take in, period. End of story. And, and, and to fund it, you would have to, uh, you would have to, to uh, uh, raise taxes. So I think, you know, I, I know that, that probably in the chat room, people are going ballistic, but that the Keith Lee's in support of taxes. I'm not, but I'm in support of all Alaska families having to face up to the fact that we have to pay for this government. Right. What we're doing now through, through using PFD cuts is we're shoving the cost of middle and lower income Alaska families. They're not. They're they're the ones having to take the. We're already the taxing. Is essentially. I mean, what what the message has been on this program with you for the last you know umpteen years has been. We're already being taxed. We're already shouldering that burden, and unfortunately, it's disproportionately affecting the lowest eighty percentile of the income brackets in the state. That's been the message. Not that we're in support of taxes, but there should be a true reckoning of what the cost of state government is. Period. Full stop. And if we had that, if we had, if we had to talk about taxes, if we had to talk about broad-based taxes, all Alaska families contributing to the costs of government, all Alaska families being dinged to pay the increase to the to pay for the increase of the BSA, to pay for the defined benefit compensation for the teachers. If if we if we had that, and that kind and that was the conversation we had, we were gonna have, I think. I, I don't think we'd see Giesel, you know, partnering up with Matt Clayman. I think we would see the clear distinction that you and I, you know, want to see between those who support the private sector and those who support the government. It's just that it's just that the top 20 percent over the last six years, seven years has been able to turn the PFD, the discussion about the PFD into, oh, it's just another savings account. And yeah, we're right. taking it down, but, but who cares? Um, it, they've been able to turn the discussion into that as opposed to it's a tax and you're taking money from middle and lower income Alaska families. You're withholding and diverting the government money from middle and lower Alaska families and you're letting the top 20% off the hook. And don't forget, 
They're also taxing the children, says Chris in the chat room. Absolutely. The children are facing that same disproportionate tax as well. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to finish up with number two when we get back, and we'll move on to number three. Don't uh, don't go anywhere. Come back here in just a minute. Don't forget, coming up in hour two, uh, Mayor Charlie Pierce will be joining us, talking about his candidacy for governor. The October surprise and whatever else we can fit into that conversation, that's all ahead. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Brad Keithley continues with us with the weekly top three right after this. Don't go anywhere. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break. And I'm just going to drop this on Brad because there's so much wrong with this. Thank you, Brad, for using the term free money. We are entitled to free money as well as free government services as long as it all fits into a balanced budget. Alaska should be only uh, Alaska money should only be used for us in Alaska. It should not be shipped off to other needy countries or other states. I don't know what that whole last sentence means uh, because, wow. But Brad was not using the term free. He was using it not only anecdotally but sarcastically because it's not free Money, Randy. Brad, I'll let you uh I'll let you try and attempt to beat your head against that wall for a second here. <laughs> I mean, I love Randy to death. I mean, the guy, I mean, he he pays money, but you bought a booth space at the big thing in Fairbanks and half handed out his ideas on the but I mean, you, when you're wrong, you're wrong. So wrong. But uh Brad, I'll let you address that. Well, it's an inheritance, right? I mean, it's Natasha has her inheritance from her parents. All Alaska families have an inheritance from the state's, the state's commonwealth, uh, and, and it's coming in the form of the PFD. If you leave the state, you don't get it. If you stay in the state, uh, you, you're part of the class, that uh, you're part of the inheriting, inheriting uh, group. Um, and government uh, is taking, and, and, and Hammond set it up that half of that inheritance went to uh, Alaska citizens directly, half of it went to pay for government, which Hammond himself recognized essentially was a subsidy to the top 20% because they weren't going to have to pay taxes. We were going to you know, re- repeal or suspend the income tax. And so they weren't going to have to pay taxes anymore. And so half of it was going to go, go to their benefit. Now what's happened is, is as the top 20% has used up their half to, to, to fund government, they've, they've, they've panicked. They've looked around and said, ah, what, what else is out there? And 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 they've they've looked at the inheritance that Hammond set up for the other fifty for the fifty percent of that should go to Alaska citizens and decided to tax it, decided to divert it uh, to government. So, I, yeah, Randy Randy spends a lot of time on this, uh, but it's but but it, you can't you can't disassociate yourself from the fact that the top twenty percent, the state, have already got their fifty percent. It went to government. Right. It allowed it allowed for the suspension, the repeal, the termination of the income tax. They got their benefit. Now the question, and the other half goes to the remaining. It essentially, largely impacts the remaining eighty percent, middle and lower income Alaska families. Right now that the top twenty percent have used up their share, now they're going to take more of a, a, their share of the free money. I mean, if you want to look at it as free money, it's all free. The part that goes the, to 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 subsidize the top 20% so they don't have to pay taxes. 
the part that goes to middle and lower uh, middle and lower income Alaska families, it's all free. Right. And now that they, now that the top 20% have used up their share of the free money, they want to come get uh, uh, increasing larger pieces of the, of the, of the other 80% share. Well, and it always comes back to, we are entitled to free money as well as free government services. As long as it all fits in a balance, Randy's all for paying a full PFD if we balance the budget, but that's like giving a crack addict more crack and saying, when you stop, it'll all be, I mean, that's the thing. They're never going to balance the budget. As long as they have that pot of money that they can dip into, they're never going to have to face the music of you only have a finite amount of money. You're never going to do that. It's got to be taken off the table. That whole argument of we have access to the PFD has got to be taken off the table. Yeah, it's the the the, the top twenty percent have free money. Also, what Randy what Randy is missing is the piece where the part that goes the half that goes to government benefits the top twenty percent. Go back in time when we when we instituted the PFD, we had an income tax. The top 20%, and it was a horrible, it was a, it was a hugely progressive income tax. Marginal rates were high. Uh, it was only on taxable income, so it really tilted against the top 20%. The, 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 the agreement on the PFD allowed the replacement of the, the suspension replacement repeal of that income tax. It benefited the top 20% by taking the 50% and going to government. Now, they want to take that. They want to say, oh, yeah, well, we got the benefit of that. Now we need some more benefit because we want to spend some more on government, um, but we don't want to pay for it. So let's just take let's just take the other the other 50 percent share as right. well. Right. No, it's uh, it's, it's frustrating. This whole thing is I mean, again, it's a repetitive argument, but uh, uh, I, I just I, th- I think it's I think it's interesting when you break it down that way. The whole idea that somehow. This is a benefit. I your inheritance idea is good, but I like to use the term shareholders. If we're shareholders in the state's wealth, which again I didn't write the Constitution, uh, the framers were actually they were actually toehold by the federal government who said you won't, you will, you will not give the mineral rights to people. I mean, this is what we have. This is the way it is, and we've got to learn to live with it. Um, unfortunately, uh, we got twenty seconds, Brad. Uh, the reason I backed away from the from the shareholder argument is because Natasha turns that into, well, board of directors set the dividend to shareholders and all we're doing is setting the dividend to shareholders. So I want to I want to build a picture that is a direct feed of, True. of permanent fund earnings right down to True. citizens. And that to me is that to me the inheritance. Maybe the money market account makes more sense, right? I don't know. We'll 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 find something. All right, Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to continue with number two. We're almost done. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. Whoops. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're finishing up. We've got just going to finish up with number two, uh, which is uh, discussions on the uh, which is discussions on the PFD and the BSA and everything else. Let me just tell you, Brad, before you finalize your thoughts on number two, what I find most irritating and most disingenuous is that every article that I've read so far talking about how we're underfunding education and we're not, we haven't seen an increase to the BSA and the school children, they're dying in the streets and all the other stuff that we're seeing. 
is that none of them they they talk about the the P, the BSA like it's in exclusion like it's the only thing we're spending. Nobody is talking about total spend on education. The BSA is just a tiny part. It's the beginning of it, and everything else is on top of it. They've acted like that's all we've spent on education for years, not talking about the billions and billions <coughs> of dollars that have been spent on other parts of the program. And I find that to be so disingenuous, it just it just roils my blood. But I'll let you finish up here. Well, let, let me say two things. One, I think you're right, Michael. But but what the point I'm trying the point I'm making is that we've got to broaden this conversation beyond just the other 80% when we're talking about. People get upset about, about spending, they get upset about it, but the top 20% don't. And we've got to find a way to include the top 20, to make the top 20% part of that conversation until they have an incentive, until they feel a pain from, uh, from this increased spending. Um, I, you and I can talk ourselves blue in the face, David Boyle can write great articles. Uh, uh, other people can can spend a lot of time focused on education, but you've got to get the top 20% in that conversation. Uh, and until they are, until they're pushing back, until they're telling their representatives, hey, I'm not going to donate to you because you're just wanting to increase my tax burden. Um, until, we until we have those conversations, it's just going to be a nice conversation between ourselves. The other thing I want to say is this is, this isn't, my this 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 concept that we have to broaden the the base of those who are paying um it's not it's not not my concept it is governor hammond's concept hammond hammond if you go back and read diapering the devil as i do seemingly almost weekly now if you go back and read diapering the devil there's a great passage in there where he talks about the sword of damocles and and what he envisioned for an income tax was not to use it but to have it hanging like a sword of Damocles over the legislators if they overspent. And, and, and the concept was, if you, if you overspend, you're gonna have to tax. If you tax, uh, then you're gonna get the top 20% that, that are gonna come down on you like a, top of, like a, like a uh, ton of bricks and you won't like that. So you'll right. never tax because this sword of Damocles, this contingent tax will always be sort of hanging over you. And I think I think Hammond was absolutely right on that point. Right. I think I think the concept of having to pay the tax if the additional spending occurs is enough to dissuade the additional spending occurring if the tax is broad based and the top twenty percent, including and other Alaska families, have to have to pay it. This as is long as as long as that sort of Damocles is only on the top eighty on the bottom eighty percent. Legislatures they don't care. demonstrated they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. I mean, this is why Hammond was so adamantly against absolutely repealing the tax. He had argued that it should go to zero and stay on the books up until the point that, like you said, they you can go this far and no farther. If you take a step over that line, it triggers the tax, uh, the the uh, the income tax again, and then you're going to have to answer some very uncomfortable questions. Uh, and unfortunately, here's where we're at. Not not only not only would uh, Kathy Giesel be talking differently, Matt Clayman would be talking differently. I mean, Scott Kawasaki, I, I, I think highly of Scott for for several reasons, but Scott Kawasaki's got it. I mean, Scott, Scott is trying to articulate that that if we continue to spend, if we continue to push the envelope, we're going to have we're going to have PFD cuts. Conservative Democrat. You'd have Matt Clayman making that same argument if right. um, uh, if, uh, if 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 that 
if the sort of Damocles, the income tax sort of Damocles was hanging over the legislature's head. All right. Well, let's talk about your pet peeve and really kind of one of my pet peeves as well is, uh, you know, hearing this phrase, well, I don't want to be taxed to pay for the PFD. That's number three. Uh, you know, you're going to be taxed if you're going to pay for the PFD. We're already being taxed. I mean, that's that's the whole argument right there is you're already being taxed. The PFD is a tax and it is a, a regressive on the lowest 80 percent. But this this phrase has been coming up more and more when it first popped up and we saw a lot of Republicans using it. I lost my mind. You were upset about it, but it's still just this whole thing continues. Give me number three. Well, last week's show when uh, when you quoted Don Linton Warren as uh, as as ca- causing that, I, it took me like three hours to calm down after after our uh, after our <laughs> segment segment was over. It, it's factually incorrect, right? It's the PFD. The the a tax would not go to PFD. The PFD is coming from the permanent fund earnings. It's an inheritance. Describe it however you want, but to me, it's an inheritance coming down from the permanent fund earnings. To benefit all Alaska families, the it, it the, there's nothing. I mean, the PF the permanent fund earnings aren't running short uh, of paying the PFD. They've they've got more than enough funds in there to pay the PFD. We don't need a tax to pay the PFD. The money's there, sitting in the in the permanent fund earnings account, and continues to be replenished in a way that would be that that provides enough to uh, to pay the the PFD. So the concept the concept first of all is factually inaccurate. Second, it's what's leading to increased spending. I mean, the top 20% are blowing off PFD cuts by saying, yeah, I don't have to, you know, they're not gonna affect me as long as I don't have to pay a tax, I don't really care about them. And and so that phrase, don't tax me to pay the PFD is misdirecting the anger. It's it's directing the top 20, it's allowing the top 20% to direct their anger at the PFD as opposed to directing the anger at, as it should be, at increased spending. They're using it as a way to escape responsibility or to escape confronting the fact that their inaction is what's allowing additional spending uh, to occur. So it's factually inaccurate. It's elitist as hell. I mean, it's just, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the top 20%. PFDs don't mean that much to me, so I don't have to pay them. So just don't, just don't make me pay. Just don't make me pay you know, for, for somebody else. That's not what's going on. Right. If the you actually, the, if you look the money's at in the permanent fund earnings, right. If you look at where the monies are, the buckets of money. I mean, in that, it, most people, their eyes start to glaze over. But it's important. It's important to understand funding sources and know where these things are supposed to be coming from. That's why the legislature has worked so hard over the last four years to make sure that they never draw the PFD from the earnings reserve because it would give credence to the argument that that's where it's supposed to be coming from. I mean, again, this may be a small, minute, you know, technical thing to many people, but that is an important point. When they drew the money from the earnings reserve, and that's why Bert Stedman fought so hard for it not to be last year, is because they don't want to give credence to that's the funding source of the money. The the, the problem with this state, the problem with spending in this state is the top 20% is not pushing back. Don Litton Warren, Chris Warren, they're not pushing. They'll, they'll tell you they are. They'll tell you they talk about spending but they don't have a personal stake in it and they're not telling their reps, stop spending or I won't vote for you or I won't fund you. The top 20% are not pushing back on spending. That's where this problem comes from. And don't tax me to pay off PFD is sort of their excuse. They're, they're sort of playing it like their get out of jail card 
like, well, it's not my fault. I mean, it's 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 the PFD's fault. And and we ought to take it out on the PFD. You ought to cut the PFD to, to fund all this government. Well, it is their fault because they're not pushing back on spending. And until Hammond had it right, until there's an incentive for the top 20% to get in the game, for them to, to, to push back on their representatives, to push back on their senators, to push back on their governor uh, for, for increased spending until they get in the game to do that, we're gonna continue, you and I are gonna continue to talk ourselves blue in the face about, about the problems with spending. Brad Keithley, Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, as always, I love to see you with raised blood pressure, and I'm glad to see you're excited about things. Thanks for coming in and joining us today. We really appreciate it. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. All right, folks, we got more coming up in just a moment. We're going to be talking to Charlie Pierce. That's right, uh, candidate for governor. We'll get some uh, answers from him. Uh, We'll probably talk about the October surprise and more. Uh, that'll be coming up next to the Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, Brad, now that I got you all wound up, I'm going to uh, let you be, I'm going to let you fly free here for the last couple, three minutes. Um, I mean, that it, it, it's exactly the thing. And this is what happens when people miss... Uh, I guess they changed the narrative. They changed the conversation. Uh, you know, they they put this false argument out there of, well, you know, taxes or PFDs. It's a false dichotomy choice. And unfortunately, most people don't either understand the details or take the time to learn the details uh, to be able to counteract that argument, right? Well, Michael, it, it, it's a combination of that. And yes, we do have working Alaska families that, you know, don't, don't spend their entire waking hours working on or thinking about fiscal policy. It's a combination of that, but it's also a combination of what are the top 20% working hardest on? They're not working hardest on decreasing spending. They're working hardest on pushing the burden over to middle and lower income Alaska families by using PFD cuts. That's where their energy is going. They don't give a flip about spending because it doesn't affect them. Right. Except in a, in a positive way, in, you know, if they're a, contra- a government contractor, it doesn't affect them. They don't give a flip about it. What they care about most is making sure that middle and lower income Alaska families are the ones that, that carry the burden. So the, the, the class that is the donor class, the class that, you know, writes the op-eds, the class that, you know, gives to the candidates, the class that, that, that the candidates talk to the most because, they, because those are, that's the class that gives the most, that class is not pushing back on spending. That class is pushing back on middle and lower income Alaska families through through crap sayings like "Don't tax me for a PFD." I mean, it's just craps. It, it, it's it's diversionary. It's an effort to divert the the responsibility and the blame and the and the burden of what's going on with government away from themselves over to middle and lower income Alaska families. And I and you know, I don't blame middle and lower Alaska middle and lower income Alaska families for not pushing back harder. I mean, they've got lives they've got to live. They you know, they're sort of used to taking whatever uh rolls downhill uh from uh, from the upper uh, from the from the top 20%. What I blame is is our representatives and our government for not broadening the burden to include the top 20%, letting them off the hook not having this sort of Damocles hanging over their head. So they look at spending 
Right. I, that, that's 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 yeah. where the blame lies, not engaging the top 20 percent in the effort of trying to push back on spending. As I've said again and again and again, uh, until the PFD issue is resolved, we will the legislature and and the elected leaders will never have to face the music of 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 income versus revenue. Uh, until that pot of money is sealed away and taken out of their hands, they will never have to face the music. And that's that's the thing. That only then will real solutions start to come forward. Until then, it's just, hey, it's a free piggy bank. We can crack it open anytime we want. Because then the sort of Damocles will come into play. Then if the PFD is taken off the table, if we recognize that it is an inheritance, if it's not that it's not a government revenue stream, once then it's taken off the table, then you have the sort of Damocles. Want to increase spending? Well, you're going to have to get the money from somewhere. And the only place left now is taxes. And oh my gosh, all of a sudden, you know, Kathy Giesel, well, I'm against that. And, and you know, and, and all the other representatives and, and bipartisan coalition uh, wannabes out there will go, well, I'm against that. I'm against taxes. Um, and, and so once we change the debate, until we change the debate, I mean, maybe we never change it. Maybe, maybe this is a lost cause. But until we change that debate so that the top 20%, Hammond had this exactly right. Until we change that debate so the top 20% are sitting there with the sword of Damocles of taxes sitting on their head, sitting over their head, until we change that debate, we're, we're, not, gonna, we're not gonna make progress. You and I and the other 80% can talk about it all day long, but we're just not gonna make progress. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. I'm glad. I, I, was it cathartic? Was it cathartic? Do you feel better? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't. I won't be slamming stuff around for the next three hours. Okay, like good, good. Well, yeah. Last week is a bit. I could see blood shooting out of your eyes, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, all right, Brad. Thank you so much for coming on board, my friends. Good to see you. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. All right, Brad Keithley, uh, our guest, uh, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. I see Charlie Pierce is in the chat room or in the green room. Let's pull him in here and we'll get things started. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, Michael. Doing well. You uh, you all enjoyed, enjoyed your first hour. Well, I appreciate that. You ready to uh, to talk uh, to talk turkey here in the next segment? Sure. Sure, absolutely. Okay, good. Uh, Charlie Pierce, our guest. Uh, we're about a minute and a half away here from rejoining the radio. So I'll slide Charlie back into the green room here real quick, and we will be back here in just a moment. Folks, if you are liking what you're hearing, uh, can I ask you to do me a favor and share the show? Yep, just share the show. Share the show with your friends. Share it out there. Um, from whatever platform you're watching on today, you can share this show. That's the only way we're going to get more Alaskans involved. That's the only way we're going to, you know, that was a master level class from Brad on the, you know, on the fundamentals of how the PFD works and some of the other things. And again, until people start to understand the details of it, I mean, simple things like the money for the permanent fund should come from the ERA because that's where it was intended to come from. And that's the self-sustaining, ever-replenishing portion where that until people understand that detail, they can never argue. I mean, they can never fight back in the arguments, right? I mean, that's the whole that's the whole point here. And so we need to get more people involved in the show. Make sure that you like and follow the show page on Facebook. Make sure that you subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube and uh, follow on Twitch and do do all that kind of stuff. We we just 
We need more people involved in this thing. Uh, I mean, it's nice to see the 70 or 80 people that are always here in the chat room, but we need more. It'd be nicer to see two or 300 people here in the chat room. Then we could really start to make a difference. And with your help, we can make that happen. All right, folks, we got to go here. Hour two is dead ahead. Charlie Pierce, our guest, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream, links to the podcast, and also, of course, to all our social media feeds, where we simulcast the radio show on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Good morning, and welcome to Hour 2 of the program. We just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, a fiery weekly top three. Uh, if you missed it, go back and pick it up on podcast, uh, wherever you find podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. All of those places and more. Right now, we're continuing in hour two. Chris Story normally joins us. He's not going to be uh, not going to be with us today, but that's okay because that let us uh, move on and pick up our next guest, candidate for governor uh, here in the state of Alaska uh, on the Republican ticket. Mayor Charlie Pierce joins us this morning. Good morning, Mayor. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning, Alaska. Thanks for coming on board and joining us. Uh, getting down to the wire here, Charlie. We're less than two weeks away from uh, from uh, election day, and of course, uh, as always, we get uh, you know the the, uh, the the phrase "October surprise" is uh, is always kind of uh, has been part of the American lexicon here for the last hundred years or so because there's always something that seems to drop somewhere. Uh, about some candidate uh, in the last uh, two or three weeks of an election cycle to try and disrupt things. Uh, you right now are facing something of your own. I don't know how much you want to say or how much you can say because of pending litigation, but I wanted to give you a chance to address in whatever turn you want the recent allegations that have popped out now uh, against you uh, when you were mayor with your former assistant and all that. We'll get that air cleared before we move on to other parts. So uh, I'll give you the floor for a second and answer whatever you can answer and we'll uh, we'll move on. Well, Michael, I have to say I have a good attorney and my attorneys advise me to not talk about future litigation. So uh, today I'd like to talk about my campaign and, and uh, um, 
happy to answer any questions about the campaign. Okay, good. All right. Well, uh, I figured that probably was the case, as uh, nobody likes to uh, step their foot in it when there's things going on in the uh, judicial system. So we'll move on here and start talking about, uh, you know, start talking about uh, the elections and the campaign itself. I'm glad to see that you hit the debate stage. I'm glad to see. I thought you did well uh, in uh, what I saw of the debate. Um, I think you're offering a solid choice to Alaskans. Um, but, uh, you know, what, give us a give us a status of your campaign right now, because you were dark for a few days there. People were kind of wondering what happened. Uh, so give us some background as to what was going on in the campaign and what uh, what we can expect to see here over the next two weeks. Well, you know, we went to we went on a boat ride down the Yukon River and there's no service in that area. We would have sent lots of pictures and uh, we went into uh, uh, Tanana and Galena and and then went up to Koyukuk. And, you know, I want to tell you that I've lived in Alaska for 47 years and I've never, ever been into the interior and and it was uh enlightening it was uh you know it really until you you know you hear about the plight of living in living off the grid or living in a community where you have very few people and and very extreme costs of living and and i wanted to see that i wanted to talk to some of those folks so we had early on in the campaign planned to do that trip and and so it was, it, 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 we took care, we took advantage of that. We had invested some dollars in it up front and, and uh, we went into the interior. Now there was a group that we were traveling with and we were kind of riding with that were also hunting and, uh, but we were not hunting, but I got to tell you that uh, Alaska is really a large, large state, man. Uh, it's massive and, and, and we are so spread out and, and it's, it became very, very clear to me how, how difficult it must be to get goods and services, everything shipped in, everything right. costs, uh, and it has an extreme cost to it. But uh, um, so that's where we went. And, and then after that, we, had, we came back and we were having meetings and, and continuing. Edie was handling things in the northern grids and I was handling things down south here. So uh, we've been attending the, 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 the debates and, uh, and, uh, We've had a number of Zoom calls with a number of communities, and and we're going to continue to reach out to folks. You know, I want to say that one of the struggles, and we talked about this early on, is is that our campaign was not funded by special interests. You know, we didn't get any hundred thousand dollar donations from any special interests, and there was a reason why. Is that you know this candidate and my uh, lieutenant governor as well. Uh, you know, we're not um, we're not inclined to go along just to get along. We want to fix some things. We want to change some things. And there's a group in Alaska, and Brad just talked about them. That's that top twenty percent that really like kind of like things the way they are. And you know, they're you're not you're not they don't want anybody to come in and 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 break the system or break the process or change the tide, if you will. And I guess what. Uh, what we're saying is, is you, you could see that in the campaign contributions that I got and that Edie got. Um, it was hard. It's difficult. We used a lot of our own money to run this race. But the message we brought to Alaskans is, is that we're for you. You know, there's 730,000 of us that live here in this state. And for a change, we thought it would be nice to include the 730,000 of us that live here and listen to some of our in, our problems and some of uh, the, the solutions to fixing some of the problems, you know, and early on we thought, Edie and I both thought, that, you know, there's just no urgency to fix anything. 
and you know things that are being fixed we're not hearing a whole lot about it and um so we did our very very best now there were 10 candidates running for governor and and uh you know i certainly didn't create the ranked choice voting process and i never would have i've never voted for it and i think it's a it's it's a difficult process and we need to uh remove it and uh sooner the better and um you know i've said it too there's 730,000 of us only 20 percent of the registered voters actually get out and vote or participate in that process because uh the the other uh uh, 80% of those registered voters are disenfranchised and tired of government and tired of listening to the dialogue of nothing right. getting done. And uh, so I'd say that we don't need Dominion machines. We could do a hand count, but you can't do a hand count if you've got a ranked choice voting system. And you, and you know, the other thing I think we need to fix in Alaska is, is we did it in our borough is we've, we've stalled it for at least the next two years um, is vote by mail. Vote by mail encourages corruption. And yet you go and talk to every clerk in the state of Alaska and uh, you'll find that most clerks in the state of Alaska are behind, and AML is behind vote by mail. Let's just vote by mail. And what I'd say is, is we should get rid of the vote by mail. We should go into the ballot box and vote. And then we should do a hand count on election night or the next day. Um, Just some of my thoughts. Charlie Pierce, our guest uh, here, candidate for governor. Charlie, um, you just you said you just heard the last hour discussion with Brad, specifically talking about budgeting, specifically talking about the PFD. We saw a lot of changes that took place under Governor Walker when he was in office, including the beginning phases of accounting for the PFD differently. It used to be just a simple transfer. Um, it was supposed to be. That's what was intended. It was the legislature shall transfer from the earnings reserve to the people. Um, and we saw some of those changes go. As governor, would you uh, find a way or go about trying to reverse that to put it back to the way it was so that it's not in confliction of what we have uh, going on right now? I've said it all on follow the law. You know, I just I didn't agree with the ruling by the court that the legislature, I realized the legislature does the appropriations and they can determine the amount of money that they can appropriate. But if you go back to there's also over in the corner there an original statute that was created by the makers of the PFD program that said you'd use a formula and then the ERA, you would distribute or disperse the revenues based on earnings. And each of us would get receive a dividend. And it is an inheritance and it is a right of Alaskans to have a PFD. And the intent was never to use the PFD to pay the bills. And that's what they're doing with it. And you're right. right. And, and I appreciate it. if you had, if you didn't watch the first hour of the show, it, it's worth going and watching it because Brad nailed it. Brad's right. upset about it. But I want to say, Michael, you and Brad have been talking about this for the last six years. Yeah, and it hasn't changed. Exactly. And it hasn't changed because of the will. And it goes back to who do we vote? You talk too about changing the players. We've talked about changing the players. And we've changed some of them. And some of those very players that we've changed go in there and caucus and hand their hand to the to the other side. Yeah. Jump, jump to the other side for some reason. It's so frustrating. Right. And no. you're right. What does it mean to be a Republican today? What does it mean to be a Democrat or an independent? What does it mean? What does your label mean? You sign, you fill out a form. I mentioned the other night at a, at, a, at a meeting, you can fill out the paperwork to be a Republican or an independent or a Democrat, 
but who who are you? Who really are you? Yeah. You know, you got all these protocols that you have to follow, all these standards you have to file the application to be a Republican. But are you really a Republican? Are you a conservative? Do you follow conservative principles? What I've always said, go back and look at the voting record of the individuals that are running. And if they have no experience in government or they haven't run, listen to what they're saying. Yeah, no, I'm not going to tax you. I don't think we should be taxed. But I'd also say that I'm not going to raise the BSA to fix the educational. I think that the educational problem is, is we're just not performing. We're not producing good results. Well, you know why? Is because there's a real disincentive to be a teacher today. It's they've disincentivized it by the program that they put together. Yeah. Who gets the greatest amount of money in the pay raise schedule along the way? See, administrative folks, all the teachers want to be a principal. Right. All the teachers in the schools now want to be, become the principal. They don't want to be a teacher. And, you know, there was a time where the teachers used to, it used to be honorable to stay in a teaching career for 30 years or 25 years. And then you look at the sustainability. Everybody wants a defined benefit plan. You look at the sustainability of that. Who in the world goes and leaves with 60% of the top three years of their salary and right. gets a full medical benefit to do? to boot every medical medical plan today is costing the government about thirty thousand dollars per employee no there's a math there's a tremendous amount of of problems in those uh in all those areas and i want to get back into education but i want a final thought here as we talk about uh you know following the law following the statute of course that all became very hazy Back in 2016, when the legislature passed SB 26, which was the percent of market value law, which immediately was at loggerheads with the statutory formula. So now you have two statutes on the books that are competing and in conflict with each other. Uh, My argument has been over the last year or so that, you know, the POMV also, it gives them the ability and the opportunity to overspend and to draw down the earning capacity of the fund and the dividend. And so my suggestion is, well, we should just repeal SB 26. I mean, the statutory formula was working. It had inflation proofing. It rode the markets ups and downs. So the, And people understood that and all those things. So should we be looking at repealing SB 26 and the percent of market value formula? Absolutely. It's just created more conflict is what it did. It didn't fix anything. And, uh, you know, I had a conversation with a gentleman from Ketchikan last night, and he, he said, did you know that the PFD fund, uh, the the principal has gone down $7 billion in the market, current market. And and if we were following the formula and uh, the earnings went into the ERA and we were distributing a PFD, maybe next year's PFD would be less than $500. Yeah. And I think that it's based on earnings. It worked. It worked. Right. But what, what they did is they saw a pot of money there. And there was this, uh, yet again, I, I've said it a, before my philosophical beliefs is large fund balances encourage what spending and they saw a large pot of money and they went after it and they created sb26 to ac- actually access that right to create this dialogue and to create the dis- uh, the dysfunction that we have today and again it's that top 20 percent and it and what you how do you rile how do you get i hope chris and don were listening this morning and i'm, I'm sure they were they were Brad was pretty clear about it. Uh, the top twenty, you know, you're not getting out. You're not saying enough about leaning on your lawmakers. You know, I get tired of hearing there's just no will to change anything. There's just no will, and you've said it too, Michael, many times. Let's change the players. If there's right. no will, and you're unwilling to work with people, 
and work with what the voice of the people in the state of Alaska have been, then I'd say you need to be replaced. Right. Well, especially when you look at the narrative that's come out in the last two years where they're looking at what they really lust after is an endowment formula where the permanent fund hits a certain amount, $100 billion, and the money just spins off to government every year with no accountability to the people or anything else. That is the dream of many of these folks, and I think that's part of uh, I think that's part of the of the major problem here. We're going to continue with Charlie Pierce in just a second. Candidate for governor on the GOP ticket. We'll continue in just a moment. Don't forget, you can also come on out on the Facebook and join us on Facebook as well. If you'd like to uh, ask questions or be part of the chat room during the commercial break. This hour of the program being brought to us by our friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. Wherever you need to go, your communications needs, and whether that is uh, you know email or text messaging or phone calls or internet, the folks at Satellite West are the ones that will help you find what you need to get you connected. You can find out all about them at SatelliteWest.com. Proud sponsors of the program in this hour. Charlie Pierce continues with us right after this. Don't go anywhere. We're back in just a moment. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break with uh, Charlie Pierce right now. Uh, He's uh, joining us uh, to talk about his candidacy and his campaign. Let me go back to the chat room here and uh, see what uh, some of the questions are. Um, I know I saw one specifically that dealt with the interior. Charlie, I don't know how familiar you are are with the problems going on uh, in the interior with, uh, you know, home heating and wood burning and everything else. Um, this was a problem even back when I was still living in Fairbanks and on the borough assembly is that people obviously with a high cost of heating fuel and everything else were having problems heating their homes. And then there was an abatement where you couldn't burn wood in Alaska at 40 below. I mean, it was just all this kind of crazy stuff. So Jim asks, uh, will Charlie deal with DEC to get him off the backs of interior wood burners? Um, I, how much do you know about this, uh, this problem? And do you have any thoughts on what you would do as governor? I do. I'm, I'm familiar with it. You know, they built that gas system up there. And I think part of the part of the some of the thought process was you've got a gas system now. So convert, move and convert to the natural gas system that they built. The state subsidized the building of that gas system. And of course, the supply, the cost cost of gas in Fairbanks is, you know, comparable to fuel oil. And then when you add the conversion cost into it, it becomes very undoable for most of the folks that were that live there and so it's really not an incentive to to convert right if you can convert it's the margins very very tight the problem is is the payback over five years for the conversions not there and uh, i would say yeah you know i'm a guy that really i'm a reasonable person i mean you know i i think that you know we got to live we got to survive and and boy you know when you're paying you're filling that tank up and it costs you $2,000 to fill that tank up and it, and, uh, it doesn't last very long. Um, we need to do something. Here's, here's something to think about too. You get one candidate that's running to say, Oh, I'm going to bring you $2 gas. I'm going to bring you $2 gas. You know, 
I would love to see how, I'd like to know the math on the side of the $2 gas. You know, he's talking about taking our oil and selling it at a discounted price. But yet, remember, at the full price, that money, that oil uh, investor, it goes into our budget, goes into the state coffers. And so how do you make up the difference in uh, the, how do you come up with $2 gas? I just want to know the math on that. I don't, I don't get it. Well, it's, I think a, that it's, it's a just great- like a. It's a great talking. It's a great talking point that you can't back up. That's part of the problem. I mean, it's a great thing to yeah, say a yeah. chicken in every pot, but yeah. how are you going to pay for it? That's right. It gives everybody great hope. Oh, I want two dollar gas too. I want to go up to the pumps and get two dollar gas. But you're going to have to. You're going to have to make up the difference in all of the gas that you're selling at the discounted price. And so, what do you do? It, that, yeah. Again, it it's a minus in the budget. Right. It's a deficit in the budget and. And uh, so you don't get, there are no free rides. There's no, you know, they talk about alternative energy. Let's all go convert to, they're subsidized. And they got two, what is it? $2 million. Uh, they're subsidized and putting in all these electrical plug stations all over the state. We tried back in the seventies to convert all the vehicles to natural gas. And there was no government subsidies to build the fill stations for natural gas. They right. wanted the private sector to pay for it. Right. And I think the private sector should pay for the electrical fill stations too. Yeah. The plug stations. I, I don't think there should be any subsidies along the way. And again, you know, you talk about energy costs in Alaska, that we study things to death. Back in the early 80s, there was a study done that said we should have built a gas line from Tidewater and Cook Inlet to Fairbanks. And you'd have affordable energy today. You have much, you'd have prices similar to what other folks are paying in natural gas prices to heat their homes right in South Central here. And yet what we did is we put the money in the rail belt inner ties. We, we bolstered the inner ties. And again, most of the electricity, if it's not hydro, which, you know, Bradley's hydro, we've got some other hydros coming on. Um, Moose Pass are trying to bring a hydro plant on there. And again, all in Alaska, one of the things we're really, really good at is killing really good economic projects that would have stimulated this state and created other monies for the budget, you know, revenues for the state. We kill it. We yeah. kill ourselves with regulatory regulatory, and then the federal government. Look what they're doing to us. Charlie Pierce is our guest candidate for governor. We're about to jump back into it. Like and share. Here we go. Continuing now with Charlie Pierce, candidate for governor on the GOP ticket, getting a chance to talk to him about some of the issues that are facing us. Charlie, before we went to break um, uh, and in kind of in the middle of our last question segment, you you drifted over to education. And I think that deserves a big chunk all by itself. We're seeing the arguments right now uh, in the uh, various races. The new talking point has become how the state has underfunded education. The state is not taking care of the BSA. The state is not mm-hmm. taking care of the teachers with defined benefits. The state, the state, the state. And, of course, all of those arguments preclude. They never talk about any additional funds. They never talk about the fact that the BSA is the very beginning of the budget debate. That's the base that they start with and that we've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on top of that. 
Um, and of course, the education component being the second largest in the state budget, uh, you know, that makes it uh, makes it there. Uh, and now, of course, we see our scholastic achievement again, still in the toilet. We see the big headlines, which were no surprise to anybody that over COVID, we had the largest uh, educational gap uh, in a generation or two. And uh, and here we are pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into education and getting the lowest marks in the nation on many things. Uh, so what's the answer? What, what Charlie Pierce, is this a funding problem? Is this a, is this a systemic problem? What do we need to do to fix the educational component here in the state of Alaska? Fix the model, fix the model that we we've lived with for many, many years. You know, if you look at, look at the top 10 uh, educational states in the nation, the ones that are doing the best. One of the things you notice when you look at them is, is their investment in the classroom and with teachers is higher than it is for administrators. We have the opposite problem. We're right. investing, you know, 60 plus percent of our budgets go to administration and then the balance goes to the teachers. And I'd say we need to fix that problem to start with. You know, I mentioned earlier that there's a real disincentive to be a teacher because, you know, you're, you're, you, know, you reach tender, you go, you go past tender. You, if you go 20 years as a teacher, you get frustrated because you see the administration getting the high raises and the and the benefits. And again, where is the hardest work being done? It's in the classroom. These teachers are are breaking their backs to educate our kids, and yet they're they're not necessarily on the pay scales or as as uh, equal to or close to. The administration. So, what what's the incentive? Everybody wants to become the principal, right? Well, we we've seen stay in the classroom. The money's the money the money to be made as a teacher is in the administrative side of the building, and and that's what they do with you. They you've got a really and same thing with the University of Alaska. How many layers of leaders do you need to run an organization? Right. Well, we've seen again, we've seen know, the administrative. When I, say that, when I say that, I'm a threat to that to that system because that <laughs> that system works for the folks that are in the upper scale or on the administrative side of the of the balance yeah of the, of the organization well we've continued to see that downward decline that 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 downward decline in uh, in enrollment in fact they're saying right now that there's going to be 20% fewer students in the Anchorage school districts in the next 3 years that's right. so but that's that, right. this is a long term trend we've seen the downward and yet on the administrative side we've seen the administrative you know the per student administrator right. per student number right. has tripled or quadrupled. And so now we've got four times as many administrators and, you know, 30%, 40% less students. And yet they're all like, well, that's how it should be. I mean, that, uh, why? Don't, I mean, don't change, why? remember, don't change my, don't move my cheese. Read that book. Don't move my cheese. Because when you move cheese, what you do is you bother people. Right. And I've right. moved a little cheese in my lifetime. And you know what? I'd say that the school district, the university, all of them, they need to reorganize. You need to reorganize this mix. It's not more BSA. And I, you've got some candidates that are running that would do just that. They'd raise the BSA every year. Yeah. They'd raise the BSA every year. On the peninsula, if you look historically on the peninsula, we funded to the cap or right at the cap every year. Every year. For the long yeah. haul. For the last 20, 25, 30 years. And, and again, uh, you know, uh, I don't think the answer is more money. I think really the the answer is is that we need to you got to love what you're doing before you're actually going to produce good results. And I don't know that that the people that are there actually love what they're doing. Well, and I think the the bottom line is you have to open up the BSA. You have to look at you know the proportional 
you know, components of the BSA, what funds administration versus what actually gets into the classroom, it should be 75% of the dollars going into the classroom. We know at the, we know at the university level, it's way, it's like 20% gets to the classroom versus the overhead. Right. They've got, you know, triple administrations and an overarching thing. You know, we've got 54 school, 53 school districts in the state, some of them with only 100 students. Why don't we consolidate there? Every one of those school districts represents, yeah, represents a duplication of effort, you know, and everything else. And, but, but again, it always comes back to, no, what we need is more money. Not that the system is fundamentally flawed, not that it's fundamentally broken, but we need to just another problem we have in the state is we have a number of areas that are unincorporated and they pay no taxes towards schools. Yeah, no local, so, no local contribution. You're talking about because that's right. unorganized. No local right. contribution from from some places in Alaska, and and I think that what we should do is incorporate uh, all of those areas. Those unincorporated areas should be incorporated, and they should pay a portion of, of their property tax. They should pay a property tax. We pay a property tax and a sales tax. Our sales tax goes directly to schools here. It's uh, you know we're at. $53 million on the Kenai Peninsula from local contribution. Right. Well, I mean, I'm, I would disagree with that. I would think if people want to live in an unincorporated area, that should be their choice, but they should also have not, they, they are not going to be funded at the same level as a place that's having their own contribution as well. They should understand that their education level will be commensurate with the contribution of whatever it is. If you don't contribute locally, you get X numbers from the state and that's what you do. You don't get any more because you're not incorporated. I think people should right. be allowed to live free and not be in incorporated areas, but at the same time, understand that you get what you pay for. And that's the thing. Well, again, that understanding's not there. They want schools in rural Alaska, just like you have in Anchorage. They want the same, you know, the ed specs. If you look at the ed specs, that was one of the problems we had in KC Low. We have a, you go to the end of East End Row, there's a community called KC Low and they're, uh, they're, they're isolated or they're considered, a, um, they don't have a road system to their, to their community. And, and we had to build a school and uh, we're building a school and the ed specs for it were, you know, you were going to, you were going to spend about $300,000 per student to build a school there based on ed specs. And so our, unspe- our ed specs are, were, were created back when we had 2 million barrels of oil a day in our pipeline. Right. And right. it's, it's just not, con- it's not conceivable today. You know, you heard somebody say, we need to get a new perspective. <laughs> well, we do. We do need to get a, a, a new perspective, and it needs to be reasonable. Yeah, no, I think it definitely needs to be uh, reasonable. Let's talk a little bit about the largest item in the budget, and that is health and social services. That budget has ballooned over the last eight years, thanks in part to Governor Walker's decision to take every optional Medicaid program available. We now have one-third of Alaskans receiving some form of uh, welfare in the Medicaid component, 270,000 people. Uh, And, of course, we knew it at the time. I cried about it. I yelled about it. Nobody listened. I said, you know, the government, because they were like, it's free money from the feds. Well, they were only going to pay for a certain number of years, and then that would slowly diminish, and we as Alaskans would have to take down. Um, uh, You know, we would have to take on that burden, and here we are, eight years later, taking on this tremendous burden. 
And anytime you talk about, well, let's find some efficiencies, let's eliminate some of these programs. Well, you can't do that. You've got a constituency now that's dependent on that. We can't, we can't do that. You know, let's talk about finding, uh, you know, potentially looking for potential fraud. Oh, you can't do that. That's offensive. What are some of the things that you would do to address the Medicaid uh, and the health and social services issues for the size of that budget? I would look at uh, uh, the, the fraud that's taken place, and, and regardless of what they say, it has to be done. Um, I'm hearing that people are signing up that shouldn't be signed up and that shouldn't qualify, that are qualified. And, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of uh, hearsay about the, the, about the programs. And again, uh, it goes back to trust but verify. And I would do just that. I'd make sure that the system is is what it's cracked up to be. You know, the federal government's very, very good about um, sending us money, but there's always the small print that comes with the money, and the obligations um, have switched, and the the cost is now on the backs of Alaskans. And and again, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, it is what it is. You know, some that Walker would say, well, seventy thousand Alaskans today have insurance that didn't have it before. And I can appreciate having insurance, but there's some that are ha- that have it that do not qualify to have it, and and we need to find uh, we need to clean it up. I'm hearing there's a lot. It's 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 broken. Let's let's talk about something for a minute. Let's talk about our foster kids in Alaska. You know, we have three thousand three thousand foster kids in Alaska, and one boy I heard has been moved over twenty times, and. When they move these children from families to families, they move them around. Um, one of the things they do is they throw all their stuff. If they have a suitcase, they throw it in a suitcase. But most of them don't have suitcases, so they throw it in trash bags and they move kids. It's broken. It's fragmented. And it's a sad, sad story. And there's a lot of sad stories there. And I, I have a very good friend that is very, very familiar with that system and with the healthcare system in general and talking about the, how, how broken it is in Alaska. Well, they just split two departments to try to create some efficiencies, and perhaps that will create some betterment. But I'd say that it it needs a continuous uh, overlook, and and someone needs to be paying attention to what's going on. And we need to we need to overhaul the system. And you know, you had API at one time that was very functional back in the early days when we had two million barrels of oil a day. We had more money than brains, and and everything seemed to click and work when we had more money than brains. But we built systems. And we overbuilt systems and we did things that today we're paying for that were that really should have been unsustainable and that are unsustainable. And so we need to have that conversation. And Brad's right that we're going to be taxed and we're going to get into a situation where government grows to a point where they have no other solutions. They won't have the PFD. They won't have the earning reserves in the PFD. And so they'll tax us. We will be taxed. I, right. I think they're headed in that direction. Well, if we don't address the PFD issue, it will eventually be all consumed, and then eventually we'll have to face a tax on top of it. So, I mean, that's that's, right. that's just the bottom line. You can already you can extrapolate that number out to where we're at right now. Um, There's Charlie, no free rides. There are no free rides. Everything gra- costs something, and someone's going to pay for it. My grandfather used to say, "There's no such thing as a free lunch," and uh, that's uh, that's 100 percent true. Charlie Pierce is our guest. Uh, I'm going to hold Charlie over for one more segment because I didn't get to the uh, to the constitutional question. I want to talk about that as no, well. No. So we're going to continue with Charlie here in just a moment. 
Uh, we'll be back. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Again, don't forget to check us out on Facebook. And don't forget that if you enjoy the show, that you can help support it by becoming a member of the Common Sense Corps for as little as a cup of coffee a month. You can help support the show. Keep us in new software and hardware to make the show better and everything else. That's how we're able to do the video interviews we're doing right now. We'll be back. You can check us out at patreon.com slash Show or just go to michaeldukeshow.com and click on Join the Core. Here we go back with more and Charlie Pierce right after this. Our light, our guide... And our trusted friend. Okay, Charlie Pierce is our guest uh, here in the chat room um, uh, during the uh, commercial break. Let me see if there's been any questions uh, here that we sh- uh, should address. Um, um, Harold said, it's just what I was talking about too. I'll say this for the thousandth time, you get what you pay for. If you continue to fund overhead and classrooms with the same formula, the classroom will be shortchanged and the overhead will bloom and it has bloomed. And that's exactly yeah. what I was talking about with that inverse, True. you know, the decline in enrollment and the increase yeah. in administration. We've seen it. I mean, if you look at it, it's, it's so glaring when you look at it on a graph. I saw a graph like a year ago and I was just like shocked. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. We've got to address that for sure. Um, Anchorage is closing. Anchorage is talking about closing six schools. Yeah. Well, it's because of enrollment. Look at their enrollment. Right. Right. You and- know, if the if the CDC follows through with their recommendation that all children should be vaccinated before they can attend school, you will see a mad exodus of of uh, children leaving. Brick and, yeah, brick-and-mortar schools. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree totally. Uh, I'm glad that Dunleavy finally stepped up and said something about it. It should have been said the first day, quite honestly. But, yeah, if you see that, again, I said it was reason number 612 why you should homeschool all your kids because, right. uh, you know, I, it's, it's exactly right. Um, when we get back, I want to talk a bit about the constitutional question, spending caps, the PFD, things like that. Uh, sure. There was another question here about um, – um, which programs, oh, which programs in Medicaid. So we have, I mean, there's a bunch of different programs. Um, uh, Gail says there's 20 different, 27 different Medicaid programs. If I remember correctly, there was something like 12 or 13 that were optional of those programs. So have you had a chance, Charlie, yet to look at some of the optional programs that we could I have, get out I have of? And, you know, yeah. I don't know a lot of detail about the various programs, but I would tell you that as governor, I'd, lo- I'd know after I became governor, that's one of the priorities. It's, uh, you know, certainly voter integrity is uh, the solution to voter integrity. The, the name of the individual is Edie Grunwald, and uh, she's going to fix that problem. And it, it won't be uh, won't be delayed. It'd be taken care of in the early days of our administration. And then the secondly, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and, and uh, just the medical treatment in general. Right. And the fraud that's taking place. Right. Well, that was one question that people had was about the cleanup of the uh, election, division of elections, because that definitely needs to happen. Uh, Daniel in the chat room just asked about a question that I see quite frequently talking about agriculture uh, in Alaska. Um, you know, we used to be 
we used to be independent. We used to be our food security was a real thing because we produce most of it here. Now, obviously, it became more affordable to do it outside and everything else. But, I mean, we've seen the inflexibility of the supply chain, and we understand that we need to be more self-sufficient. Do you have any kind of plans or anything that you'd like to look at for, uh, you know, becoming more food secure and having some kind of agricultural uh, development and base? Well, you know, I support the, the uh, we had an ag plan that we created in the borough to provide more land, uh, make access of, of um, more readily available to folks that uh, wanted to get into the uh, the growing of food. And it's like you said, there's there's fields that are out there that are sitting idle that are not being produced. And look at go to Palmer Wasilla. You know, it's a it's a high producing uh, ag area. And, and I support that. You know, I I like the smell of uh, of uh, farm farm the farm activity you know it's uh, it's actually a, a pretty settling uh, environment to work in and i think that more of it needs to take place in alaska and again i think it's making uh, land available and access to the land and getting government out of the way government's the problem right uh, we have lots of land that we're sitting on that we haven't even processed to bring into our um, portfolio so that we can turn it over and sell it as mayor one of the things i did was we hired a surveyor to actually go out and survey plat a lot of the lands that the state is still holding that belongs to the borough. And the same thing is true for the state. There's lots of federal land that belongs to the state that the feds are continuing to hold that the state needs to go after and turn it back over to the state. Look at the state of Alaska and look, go west of the Mississippi and look at all of the land that is owned by the federal government. Yeah. And then look at east of the Mississippi all of the federal land in those states, and it's minuscule in the states east. Everything west, the federal government owns a lot of the land, and and uh, why is that? Why right. is that? And why is it that the federal government has such a stronghold on Alaska and what we produce in this state, whether it be um, minerals or oil and gas and 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 or um, that's a, it, you a lot of environmental policies, and I guess they they. Uh, how are we supposed to thrive and grow in Alaska? How right. are we supposed to raise the future generations and educate them and create a, a good environment to grow up in? You just hit on the basis, obviously, of the Sagebrush Rebellion with uh, all the Western states of approximately 60% on average is owned by the federal government of each state. That's right. It's a good 67% question. 67% of our state is yeah. federal government. And so you got to start asking questions like, why? How does that work? All right. How um, did that happened. It it happened because government was in power and government by its very nature grows. That's just how it works. That's Uh, a telltale sign. I looked at that and I thought, I didn't know that. And I just, somebody just pointed that out. Yeah. Well, in the state of Alaska, it's even worse. The federal government owns 74% of all lands in Alaska. All right. uh, Mayor Charlie Pierce, let's get to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke show. All right, we're continuing now. Charlie Pierce is our guest, GOP candidate for governor uh, of the state of Alaska. Uh, Election day, less than two weeks away. Some big questions still need to be asked of uh, all the candidates. 
I uh, want to say special thanks to Charlie and to Les Guerra, the only two gubernatorial candidates who have come on the program uh, to discuss these issues. Uh, the offer was made to everybody, uh, and unfortunately, only Charlie and Les uh, were willing to come on board and talk with us about these things. Uh, Charlie, uh, of course, one of the biggest issues in this state, as you talked about, is the spending. I've, you know, we've all said there's no political will to fix a lot of this because they just have the, they can do whatever they want. Uh, so. So there is a spending cap that's in the Constitution now. There has been many statutory caps, but we see how the legislature feels about statutes. They can ignore them at their will. Uh, so the question is, you know, the governor last year tried to put in a uh, the uh, the permanent fund uh, dividend formula into the uh, into the Constitution. That didn't that went nowhere. You know, there's discussions on putting a new constitutional spending cap. A question about retention of judges. I mean, all these different things that are a constitutional issue. Obviously, the legislature's not interested in doing this. They could do it at any time. Uh, so the CONCON has been brought up, and uh, this would be a way to do it. What are your thoughts on constitutionalizing a spending cap, the PFD, judicial retention, et cetera, and what's your thoughts on using the Constitutional Convention to do so? Well, I think the process uh, speaks for itself. You know, every 10 years, Laskins are asked the question um, as to whether they want to open up the Constitution and maybe make some adjustments, and I think it's a wise thing to do at this time. And I think it it, it's justifiable at this time because of the uh, the lack or the will of the legislature to listen to the voice of the people and make changes. And again, you're elected officials. There's 60 lawmakers that are elected to go to Juno. And, and my expectation of those 60 lawmakers as a constituent of this state is that you go and produce something. You do something. You get something done. And I've always said that if you worked as hard during the legislative session, if you work just as hard as you do the last 10 days of the session throughout the entire session, imagine what Alaskans could see in the way of results. And again, it's just an excuse. You know, they, they spend the last 10 days. It's politics, right? And and again, but I, I think a spinning cap, PFD, and the judge selection of judges needs to be in there. But you missed one. It's called abortion. And again, the Roe versus Wade issue came up and it said, well, uh, it, we're going to leave it to the states. And it should be a question that we should not be afraid of in the state of Alaska to ask the constituency, the 730,000 of us or the 20% of those folks that choose to vote, whether we should be um, funding abortions in the state of Alaska. No, I mean, I, that's obviously one of the hot button issues. And that's been one of the uh, you could see that that's one of the major pushes for the uh, anti-con-con folks. And, of course, for the Democrats and everybody else, they've been this become a major issue in this campaign. Uh, your position, I think, is pretty clear on this um, that, uh, you know, so you would be in favor of opening this up and, and finishing the question Absolutely. of privacy Shouldn't or whatever happen. they're putting in. Yeah, putting it on. It, happen. it has to happen. You know, we we. Not too long ago, right here in this borough, you know, that we had a, an assembly that refused to allow the voters to vote on um, vote by mail. They said, no, 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 we don't want it to go to the voters we're, we're, because they were afraid of the results. And what I would say to those that are, that are fighting or the anti-groups, they're special interest groups. There's lots of dollars. Alaska's being rented and a lot of dollars are coming in from outside, uh, special interests. And again, when will Alaskans decide that they want to make decisions about how they live in their state and stop letting special interests from outside of Alaska fund all of the activities that take place in our state? I, I, we're for rent. 
And there's yeah. a lot of money being sent in. You know, you said that the vote by uh, or the the ranked choice voting would get rid of dark money. Look how much money's being <laughs> sent to the various candidacies in this state. It's funny. Right. It's actually funny. Well, and you know what I've also said too is we deserve what we get. We vote, we vote, and we do we do certain things. But boy, oh boy, you know when things don't go quite the way we thought they were going to go. I I've said it. You deserve what you get. Well, I believe that I believe that we should. Uh, you know, I believe we should never give in to fear. And of course, this entire campaign about the con con has been about fear. And I tell yes. people, if you don't know anything else about this topic, do nothing but look at those who are supporting one side or the other, and look at the funding. Look at you know, follow the money, so to speak. And again, right. you know, when you've got a, a, a group, the sixteen thirty fund, that the New York Times calls the most liberal dark money group in the country. This is the new. This is not Fox News. This is the New York Times saying that, and they right. give a one and a half million dollars to the anti-concon movement, and another five hundred thousand from MyBEW, and another five hundred thousand from the NEA, plus all right. the named people who are in there: the, the Kathy Geisels and the John Coghills and the Bruce Patellos right. and the Luke Hopkins of the world. You, I mean, I if I knew nothing but that about the issue, I knew which side that I would stand on. What you do when you do that, when we allow that to happen, is what you do is you drown out the voice of the average citizen that goes into the ballot box and tries to vote their will and tries to, tries to demonstrate or voice have a voice and a say in the outcomes and the conditions that they live in. And they don't have a chance. They're not getting a fair shot. And that's what you're doing. You're allowing that to take place. It's not fair. Right. And of course, there are things in life that are not fair, but... Well, remember one of the major funders of the uh, ballot measure number two, uh, they, she was caught on tape basically saying, Alaska's a cheap date. All we have to do is pump six or seven million dollars in there and we win, which is exactly what they did. And their campaign, which had their messaging was 5% about ranked choice voting and 95% about eliminating dark money, which was a lie. We know it was a lie. Uh, right. They did eliminate some provisions, but not all the ones that they intimated that they would. And of course, we're seeing the result now with, you know, millions of dollars being, but I trust the Alaska people, Charlie, you know, 1999, we had the vote on the uh, original POMV when they were going to raid the permanent fund the first time. Right. And the, right. uh, the pro raid people outspent the anti PFD, anti raid, people, you know, mm -hmm. 10 to one. And yet 83% of Alaskans said, no, it should. Go. I mean, these things should be, there should be some advisory votes on some of these big things like this. And we know how it's going to turn out. That's why politicians are scared of allowing people to have a voice in it. I know. You know what? We elect them, don't we? We send them back. We elect them. And, you know, any, any elected official that I look at, that's afraid to allow the voice of the people to be heard is I don't want them in office. Yeah. I don't want to vote for them. We're down so, to the last, yeah. uh, down to the last three minutes here or so, uh, Charlie. So I do want to give you a chance to, uh, yeah. you know, make a kind of a closing statement and your final pitch, tell people where you're going to be, how they can help. Again, you're kind of the David to the Goliath, like you said, not taking any outside right. money and doing all right. that. So, uh, I will give you the floor, Charlie Pierce, candidate for mayor on the GOP ticket. This is your time. Well, thanks, Michael, for having me on today. I appreciate the opportunity. And what I would say to Alaskans is, is you have an opportunity to uh, think with your hearts and your heads and go vote. And uh, unfortunately, in Alaska, we have a, a process that's called ranked choice voting. And uh, I'm a candidate that wants to re protect the future of Alaska. And I'm not a pro-grow government uh, candidate. I'm a 
a less government type candidate. And I think the other candidates that are running that uh, closely resemble my thinking and my will is Mike Dunleavy. And of course, I'm going to ask folks to rank the red. We have another race that's out there um, uh, that is very, very important. And it's the Murkowski race, Murkowski and Kelly uh, Shabaka. And I would say vote Kelly Shabaka first and, and don't rank others in that race. And again, if you look at how Lisa Murkowski has voted, she has become uh, a very big supporter of the Democratic Party in the state of, or in the United States. Yep. And her voice is lending to many of the things that we're suffering right now. When you pull up to the gas pumps and you fill your car up today, I think you can thank Lisa Murkowski for that. She claims she's all about production and on and on and on. But you know what? She's helped shut down this state. If there's one person that's single-handedly been a part of the problem in America, it's been Lisa Murkowski. And so I'd say vote for Kelly. Kelly offers a fresh start and a new perspective. And I think, that again, they're threatened by her because she's going to go in and identify some things that, that might not be so popular. Right. So what I'd say rank the red, rank uh, uh, Charlie first and Dunleavy second in this uh, governor's race. And um, I think the other two gentlemen are nice gentlemen, but I think their you know, their will is to grow government and have more spending and not control the situations that we're in. And so I'd say I'm going to uh, I'm going to vote. Uh, I'm going to give Dunleavy my second vote. And uh, I hope you will, too. Uh, folks want to find out more about you or donate to the campaign for any kind of last minute push. Um, you know, where do they, where do they need to go, Charlie? www.charlie-2022.com. And you can find out about Edie and I and, uh, Edie's, uh, Edie's, uh, out there too. You can call her. I'm sure she's, she would be more than willing to meet with groups if you, you'd like to get together, but, uh, we're out. If you want to invite us to a, a discussion, we're more than willing to come and, and talk about the issues. You bet. And are you going anywhere, uh, going to be out and about, meet and greet anytime here in the next two weeks? You know, we're open. Uh, we've got a, I've got a number. I'm going to be at the debate. I've got a, a rotary uh, debate coming up on November the 1st. And then uh, we've got a number of radio programs that I'm going to be on here in the next uh, coming week. So, all right. Um, more than <clears throat> Charlie Pierce, our guest. Uh, thank you, Charlie, for being on board this morning. We appreciate Thanks it. For Folks, we are out of time for today. Tomorrow, Forrest Wolf and Liz Vasquez are going to be uh, joining us. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned for that. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Be kind, love one another, live well. All right, we're in the break. Uh, we're uh, after the show. This is the post-show. Uh, and as always, we want to give uh, the guests uh, kind of the final bite at the apple here, Charlie. we got a couple, three minutes. Uh, you know, Anything we didn't cover today that you really wanted to hit on or some topic that we brought up that you want to dive deeper into, this is your, uh, this is your opportunity to, uh, to hit on anything that we may have uh, missed or need to go deeper into. Yeah, I just, you know, I listened to your uh, the first hour of your program today and it really motivated me to want to really get out and try to help to make a difference for our state i love alaska you know i've been here 47 years to, uh, raised our families here and uh, uh vani and i have uh, five boys and 11 grandchildren and uh, i would say that the opportunities for young adults in the state of alaska need to improve 
And I think leadership, good leadership, good business decisions, good uh, um, spending habits, controls. Uh, we need to demonstrate that we have some fiscal responsibility in Alaska. And uh, I don't know that we've done that very well. And, you know, uh, Brad nailed it this morning in his first hour where he talked about the 80-20 uh, situation going on in this state. And you've said it time and time again, there's 20 percent. The top 10, 20 percent of wage earners in this state are just kind of ignore and they just kind of float along saying, use the PFD. I don't care. Right. Just don't tax me. Just don't tax me. And, you know, unfortunately, the other 80 percent of us that could actually use a PFD could use a viable PFD that we're entitled to that we own. It's we're dividend. We're shareholders. I like your comment this morning, Michael, about we're shareholders. And, uh, you know, it's not a gift. It's a, we're shareholders and uh, we need to be treated as such. And. Um, go back to the original pack and the agreement that was written, follow the law, and uh, let's fix that problem. Let's have the will to fix it. And it, what, that's a question I'd ask you, every candidate that's running. Do you plan to make a, a do you plan to vote in favor of a fix for the PFD? And if they say, no, nah, I'm not sure, I'm just not there, don't send them there. Let's find some candidates that are willing to go back to Juno and actually make a difference and actually work hard for the people to produce some results. We turned on taps, the pipeline in 1978, and we've sat back and we've lived off of the wealth of the oil pipeline for, the, for, for those many years. And we passed up many, many projects along the way and deferred and deferred and deferred. And we, we, we were at that point where our pipeline's two thirds empty and, you know, we're, we're not as real overly friendly. Yeah, you know, you got one candidate that says, take the $1.2 billion tax credits we're giving to the oil companies. I've told them, I said, you do that and they'll leave or they'll shut in the wells and they'll just stand by and watch Alaska starve until the point where we're willing to work with them. It's about relationships. It's about having good working relationships and trusting relationships and long-term agreements that are predictable. We need predictability in this state and we don't have it. There's no predictability. You know, the laws can change tomorrow. Tax credits can change, issues can change, and we have no will to fix any of these problems. You, you just and brought so what I'd say, I'd say is, is we need we need some leaders that are willing to go down there and roll up their sleeves and work just as hard through the session uh, that, you know, just as hard. They, they work very, very feverishly to get out of there for the last 10 days. They get more done in 10 days than they do the whole entire session. They talk too much. They spend right. too much talking. We need results. Uh, you brought something else to mind. I know that the Fiscal Policy Working Group uh, did a lot of hard work. And again, a disseparate group of people who were you know, ideologically opposed. But in the end, they came up with a unanimous decision, uh, a variety of things, cuts, uh, changes to the tax structure, you know, uh, sales taxes, uh, efficiencies. I mean, there were all kinds of things that they talked about as a holistic approach. Would you use part of that as like a road, a roadmap, a, br- a blueprint to fiscal uh, certainty in this in the future i think it was the closest and the best example of working together that we've seen in a long long time and i would say yes there was some very viable uh solutions provided in that uh, work and yes absolutely it needs to be on the forefront of the decisions that the administration would make and push uh to convince the legislature to go along with 
All right, Charlie Pierce, charliepierceforgovernor.com, uh, or actually charlie20-2022.com. Uh, I've got links up in the chat room if folks want to find out more about him. Charlie, good luck, my friend. Um, I Thank hope you. I hope that you are successful on Election Day, and uh, and I hope uh, everything else uh, works out as well. Uh, Thank you. We'll be, uh, we'll be watching, and we'll be seeing what, uh, what happens. We appreciate you being part Absolutely. of the show today. All I right. look forward to the journey. Thank you. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Well, that brings us to the end, the end of today. Uh, we're at the end of the road. Tomorrow again, Forrest Wolf, Liz Vasquez, uh, and more. I hope I just gave you the right ones. I said that earlier, didn't I? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> too many candidates. I literally only have, uh, no, tomorrow is Benjamin Vincent and Delana Johnson. See, screwed it up. Um, I literally only have two more slots available between now and Election Day. That's how tight things have gotten. So uh, we're going to be full up until then. We'll see what goes on. Appreciate you guys coming on board and joining us. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow, bright and early at 6 a.m. Please uh, like and share the show. Like and follow the show page. Subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube. Do all those things so you get notifications. I would love to see what you guys have to say uh, tomorrow. Thanks for coming in. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
shed our terrestrial radio skin. And now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs>